Welcome, welcome. The show will be starting in just a few minutes. And if you're watching this in replay, you can skip past this spot. Please remember to share this with all your family and friends. We will start in just a few minutes. There we go. Now we're on and we're coming to the stage and here we are. Okay, Jill, let's get this show started. What do you say? Yes, let's get started. Okay. Well, greetings, cool. everyone. Greetings. This is I'm Right. I'm Right. And I'm Jill Cox Cordova. I'm Anthony Cordova. But this show is a special edition. It is? Yes, it is. Really? Uh, before I get to why, we'd like to welcome Deanna. Welcome, Deanna. Hello, to, Deanna. To our show. We appreciate it's your really coming in. It's really good to see you. Okay, cool. Well, the reason this is a special edition is because we're doing something we both said we would never do. What's that? I'm interviewing you, and you're sitting down for this for this interview. You and sure reason, you don't want me to interview you? Oh, I'm positive. I am positive. Okay. All and right. you know, you you may recall that you you have witnessed um, when I was working in news, you have mm -hmm. witnessed me interview people. And sometimes they would cry, and you would say, yeah. "Oh, I'm never yeah. sitting down for an yeah. interview yeah. with you." You're deadly. I'm not deadly. You're deadly. No. If you really... get in that hot seat opposite you, whew, and yet here you are. Well, I, <laughs> I, must, I'm, I'm, I must have lost my mind. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Well, our interview was not just you know me talking to you know you 
whom I've been married to for 16 years, uh-huh. have known for 18 years. Okay. Um, it's about your new show on Fireside. A new show? Yes, I do have a new show. I do it every other Saturday at 9 p.m. That's right. So it won't and be this Saturday. No, you you, not you this launched Saturday. a week ago. Yes. Um, I so think it'll the be... uh, next show is on the 3rd of that is correct. September. I'm that not is mistaken. correct. So you, you ready for the interview? Uh, do you uh, want to know what the name of the show is? I'm, or do I'm... I have to wait for the interview for that? I'm bringing it up in my first question. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, let me. And let by me, the way, Tony has no me, idea what I'm asking. That's that's not the type of interviewer I am. I never give my questions that's out why ahead I'm, of time. That's why I'm sweating bullets. <laughs> You're not. Well, you are sweating. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's not why. Yeah, sweating bullets. <laughs> so, and welcome, Giselle. We see you, too. Hello, welcome. hello. Hi, Giselle. It's good to see you. Yes, it is. Okay, so the name of your show is called Poetic People Fighting Racism, or Double PFR. That is correct. So I'm going to kind of dissect that title a little bit. Um, When I first met you, you were writing poetry. Spoken word, actually. Spoken word poetry. Which is a form of poetry. Yes. Yeah, I just want to. No, I'm just clarifying for the audience. Right. Yeah. So I would like to know, when did you first decide to express yourself through spoken word? Well, you know, there used to be a uh, show on HBO and it was called Deaf Poetry. That's what it was called. Deaf. I know it was deaf, but I don't know if it was. Yeah. Wasn't it like deaf jam poetry? No, no, okay. that's when they would have, that Comedy. was a different show. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, okay, so that anyway, show was on. Any, anyway, um, but I saw that show and I said, I have to do that. That was it. Never wrote any poetry before. I just knew I had to do that. So I know that you're, you're you know, you don't mind telling people your age. So how old were you then? <laughs> You're 63 that's a now. Lot, that's a lot of math. Um, <laughs> I, uh, maybe uh, 40. Okay. So Thanks. you started writing poetry, yeah. specifically performance poetry, which yeah. is spoken word, mm-hmm. at the age of 40. Correct. And when I first read your, or when you first started performing your, your poetry when we were dating, it mm-hmm. was all very dark. <laughs> like really well, dark topics. Yes, yes, it was dark dark topics. Um at that time I was uh severely depressed. Actually, I was depressed most of my life, only I didn't know it. I thought that was just life. Well, this is how life is. Everything, you know, you you feel awful all the time. You're sad all the time. Don't want to be here all the time. You know, um, then you have your ups and your downs. But I, I just thought that was life. I felt that way since I was a child. Um, so I, I didn't know there was anything wrong with me until, and I didn't even know then when I started writing my poetry because everything that you pointed out to me was dark. It was very dark. Except for the po- the first poem I wrote was not dark. What was the first poem you wrote? Can't about? write no poetry. Oh, yes. I <laughs> yeah. re- yes. Yeah. Yes. And that, that one was not dark. But most of the stuff that followed was, was very dark. But it was kind of a therapy for me. But I just didn't realize it. I see. Yeah. I see. And how was the performance? So it's different to just write something that's different than performing it. So what was the performance part for you like? Well, I, I really do like to listen to and and um, watch spoken word artists perform their craft. But at the same time, uh, even though I was just starting, I knew it was very important for me to keep my own voice so I had noticed that a lot of poets had that same cadence and I wanted mine to be a little bit different. So I tried to stay away from listening to a lot of other uh, spoken word poets. Okay. 
Well, our audience is is growing. Uh, we have Connie hi. just came into the room. Hi, audience. <laughs> Connie just came into the room. Hi, Connie. I already said hi to Giselle. Cool. Hi, Charity. Hi, Graciela. Oh, Graciela's Hi, here. Hi, Queen Charity. B. And Queen B is here. Yes, yes. yes. Let me make sure I'm not missing and, any. But Indiana and your Indiana. boy and your boy Woody. And what? Yeah, we go bike riding every weekend. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so our like I said, our audience is growing. Okay. Um, but not everyone may know what spoken word is. So of course you have to give us a snippet of a poem in spoken word. You have to perform well, it for us, please. Well, I haven't done this one in a while, so uh, but I have it here in front of me. Um, this one is called Escalators. 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 Okay. Escalators, everybody. Yes, that's it. Go for it. All right. They kept us on escalators for most of our lives. Leading us down, pulling us down to basements and dungeons overrun with hatred and racism and layers of degradation. Escalators made from hatred, designed to run us down, to wear us down till we don't know whether we're facing up or facing down. We run for our lives trying to reach up to true freedom, to come up to the light, to rise up from the darkness of depression, from the hatred of oppression. From the hatred of racism. Sorry, I messed that up. Um, this is the view of black lives while we live and die. Just trying to survive. Just trying to make it without dying. Just trying to make it without our brothers and sisters dying. Just trying to make it without our fathers and mothers dying. Just trying to make it without our children dying before lying in little graves from racist minds we live and die from in this country of lies. They kept us on escalators for most of our lives, leading us down, pulling us down lower and lower into the muck and mud, into the puke and crud this country has made for us to live in, to swim in. But we keep breathing and living and coming and growing smarter and stronger the longer they try to lead us down, to pull us down into the darkness of subjugation, into the cruelty of domination. A nation made from the creation of white dreams and enslaved souls, the days of old. Good old boys in white robes and hoods that stood for the hatred of black lives in this country of lies. They kept us on escalators for most of our lives, just leading us down lower and lower. And I'll end it there because it's a lot longer. Woo! Y'all showing some love. Show us the love. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so you plan to start your show, Poetic People Fighting Racism, with a spoken word poem. And like that poem, when, how long ago did you write that poem? Mm, gee, I don't know. What is that? About a year ago now, maybe? Yeah. And yeah. it could have been written 10 years ago and still been relevant, right? <laughs> yes, that is right? true. That is so true. that gets me to the other half of your your show title, Poetic People Fighting Racism. Mm -hmm. What's the most racist thing that you've ever been the target of? Oh, that is a good question. Why, thank you. But <laughs> there are so many times. Um. Uh, growing up, I grew up in uh, Long Island, New York, in Hempstead, and um, there were red lines all over Hempstead. So communities where only black people lived, then you can drive a half a mile, and then you're in a community that only white people live, and go another half a mile and you're back in a community that only black people live in. And, and it was like that. It was all mixed up, but separate. Um, so quite often we would have to ride our bikes through one of the white neighborhoods just to go to the park or something like that. And all the time we got the white kids 
N-word, 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 N-word. So, so quite often, um, even the police, if we were just walking down the sidewalk, just, just good kids, we were just good kids. We weren't doing anything. Um, more than on one occasion, a policeman would see us, a white policeman, and going, let's say, coming towards us. Once he got past us, he would turn around, take his police car, and run down the sidewalk with his police car to see if we would run. So if we ran, in his mind, that meant we did something, and then we would probably get arrested. So the word was, um, you know, when we saw it coming, we just told everybody, you know, don't run, don't run, don't run, don't run, don't run. Um, I mean, just so many things has happened. Um, you go to the lake uh, with the boat and come back and all our tires are slashed because they didn't like seeing black people at the lake or the river because it was theirs. I mean, I could go on like all night on this, so I, I can't say what the worst case was because I never did get killed or lynched. So, but it was an ongoing thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, many people in our audience and, and welcome Dave and Sam and Mel. Mel. Yes. I see uh, new people Hi. have, have joined us. Cool. Welcome. Um, one thing, um, many people in our audience know that you drive an 18 wheeler truck. Again, I did retire. <laughs> but I'm in it again. And when anyway. Ahmad Arbery was chased and killed by people in a pickup in a town in Georgia, that you would often have to park your truck and stay in overnight, I was terrified. I've always been terrified mm -hmm. for for black people in general, but that just terrified me to the point where you stopped. <laughs> Do I you st recall you yes. stopped telling me stopped that you had to where, where, yeah. where you were, where yeah. you had to spend, where you had to spend the night right. because I just knew that they would, someone would see you, just see you mm -hmm. and drag you out of your truck. So I'm, I'm thankful that you're alive. Okay. So, so racism, political people fighting racism. Why that? Well, you know, this is this is going to be interesting. I, ha I have a good answer for this. As you know, Jill, you and I have a podcast. <laughs> we do? Yes, it's called I'm, I'm Right, I'm Right. Yeah. And before we just we, hang out and talk. And, and before we came to before we came to Fireside, um, it was just audio. Right. So it was what was it African-American month? Black History Month. <laughs> yes, it was Black History Month. I know what I am. <laughs> so, it was uh, it was Black History Month. <laughs> so I decided. I said, Jill, let's let's do uh, a show about using laughter to battle uh, racism. So nervous laughter. Well, you know, in a in well, as a kid, Fearful quite often laughter. some of the ways we 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 got through uh the racism was to make games about it or laugh. Let's oh, let's see how long it takes them to lock their doors when they're at the light. You know, stuff stuff like that. So I said, Well, we'll just tell stories like that. And and I know I had told Jill, I'm talking to the audience now. I had told Jill, um, you know, give it a, a, you know, a real light title for it. But Jill, <laughs> like didn't, I listened to Jill that. didn't do Jill didn't do that. I put racism in the headline. She put racism in the headline. So usually each week we had maybe 125 uh, listeners each week. When we saw, when they saw that racism was in the title, and these are people that were listening to us for years. From the beginning. From the beginning. But the moment they saw racism in the title, 
we only got 12 people. That's, That's right. it. Just That's right. 12. To this day. Just because. <laughs> just because. Because so, people go back and listen to our, our audio podcast. But and they won't listen one. to that one. They yep. will not. And we did keep it light. We kept that whole episode real light. Right. Um, Unlike the essay that got me on a tap. Tap list. Phone tap list. Phone yeah. tap list. Yeah. So, but <laughs> we won't get into that. But any, anyway, so I did decide, well, this time I'm going to purposely put racism in the title. Now, I know I have keywords in that title, fighting and racism and all of that. But most of you that know me know that I'm all about love. You know, I'm you trying are the to. You man about love. Yeah, that's right. I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, I I wanted to put racism in in that title because I I knew it was going to take longer to get that show off the ground, but I figured once some people start watching and and getting around, they would see that it's it's all about love and togetherness. So. In my show, I'm providing a safe place. There will be no arguments. Uh, swearing will be kept to a minimum. Um, just, just some place <laughs> where we can really talk. And by using artists, so we have spoken word artists. I want to have musicians there. I want to have singers there, uh, painters and sculptures to uh, show their work. And and so why creatives? Well, creatives always have have been really good at expressing themselves through their art. Um, it's different than just sitting someplace and talking. Right. Um, it, it becomes it becomes much more powerful. Um, and actually, uh, there's a book I read, the cast book, uh, excuse me, by Isabel Wilkinson. Phenomenal writer. Phenomenal writer. She wrote the cast book um, and I read the cast book. Uh, she she did 10 years of research for that book. So it's very accurate. And she um, was a New York Times journalist. Yeah, thanks. Pulitzer Prize winning, too. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Jill always has the <laughs> I facts. I have to give you the facts. <laughs> so so that reading that book inspired me to um, write my manuscript, Living and Dying. And it's also what the show is based on. So the poems I do in the show are from my manuscript, Living and Dying. Um, but who is the show really for? For example, the, when you talk about ra racism, but really you're talking about discrimination because you're not just talking about discrimination for color, right? Like you can correct, be correct. So, so you're really talking about discrimination. So, people who are discriminated against often have have these conversations daily, right? No, that's correct. So, are you are you preaching to the choir? Or are you trying to educate people? Well, yeah, it's more than um, it's more of educating people. Um, so in this country, uh, if you are other, if you are LGBTQ, if you are black, if you are Asian, if you are a woman, a woman. Yes, that's right. And and a woman um, Roe versus Wade. Uh, any of these things that's other than the typical, and I'm going to say this, the typical white male, anything that's other than the typical white male in this country um, are definitely discriminated against one way or another. So we're all actually in this together. We really are, and we really need to understand that we are in this together. We have to stop thinking of, oh, I'm better than that person over there. I'm better than them because I was born here and they came here illegally. But they came here trying to save their families, trying to save their lives. 
I would do the same thing right. <laughs> if I had that problem. But how do you get people? Okay, so if you're not talking to just the choir, how do you get people to come in, listen, and learn, and do something? Well, I know there's going to be a segment of people that listen to the show um, that say they'll never listen to the show. So, so you I, mean in replays? Yeah, I know. I know there's going to be people. And that's fine too. Yes, that's right. So I, I want that audience. I want that audience, and I do want them to see that it's a safe place. You know, it's not a place to jump on every Caucasian in America. No, I don't want to do that. I want to unite us, not to separate us. I want us to bring us closer. And music and poetry and all that good stuff, that, that helps. Art helps. Art helps because sometimes it brings, you know, it doesn't make the wall go away, but sometimes it brings it down a little bit so you can actually see each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes. I mean, uh, uh, we have more in common with each other than we don't. <laughs> right. I mean, really. The, the only thing that separates us is each other. That's right. We separate ourselves. Um, That's right, which is actually, to me, a learned behavior. Yes. And, 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 and not, well, let me retract. It's not the only thing that separates us. Right. right, right. <laughs> so it's true. not the only that's, thing. That's true. But also one of the things that separate us because of what other people do to us. And I'm talking about red lines. If you can only live in certain parts of town, are, are you truly free? You know, and well, how, way, how do you uh, define free? Well, I define free as if I if I need to get a job, right? I should never have the thought even pop in my head to say, oh, I hope I get this job. They might not hire me because I'm black. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, um, you're looking for some place to live. Where, where, where are we going to live? Oh, that's a white neighborhood. Um, I don't know if I should live there because I might get lynched. How do I know whether I'm going to get lynched? How do I know how my neighbors are going to treat me? These are thoughts that Caucasian people in the United States don't have. They don't ever have these thoughts, ever. <laughs> you never have to think, oh, can I move to that neighborhood because I might get lynched? And you can talk about gentrification. So when they want to regain a neighborhood, then they just price us out. And we can't stay. So they move us around to wherever they want. And what do we do about it? What can we do about it? That's the, that's the big question. Yes, because, you know, often we've seen, you know, well, here in Georgia with elections and well, across the country, actually, um, you know, as soon as we make progress, they change the rules. And that, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, or the lines or the, you know, redistricting that, and all that of that. That is exactly right. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it keeps coming back. Okay, so you, so... With your show, you're bringing in creatives and letting them express themselves through whatever art form they have. Mm -hmm. um, and you're you're bringing up whatever the topic about some form of discrimination is about. And you're talking about it. And maybe you'll get people who maybe everybody will learn something during that conversation. That's my that's my hope. But then what? Well, once we begin to learn about each other and start finding things we have in common, uh, we can begin to bond. Um, you know, I grew up in New York. And one of the things I did like about New York, and I'm not saying there was no racism in New York, because <laughs> there sure was, and there still is. But 
it's true what they say about New York being a melting pot, right? So in New York, I had Jewish friends. I had Puerto Rican friends. I had Dominican friends. I had, didn't have too many Mexican friends. We did, there just wasn't a lot of them in, in, in Long Island at the time. But I had all different types of friends. And yeah, there was differences between the cultures, but we got to learn someone else's culture instead of making stuff up in, in, in our in our minds. I mean, like uh, Sikhs, Every, everybody's like on Sikhs, but they're like the nicest people ever. <laughs> well, well you, as you know, I used to work for MSNBC. So when I lived in that area, my experience was that, and I came from a national park. <laughs> I used to live mm-hmm. in a national park. So my experience there was that it was more like a salad bowl. So there's different groups but then they would all come together and everybody could coexist, you know, with what, and usually mm-hmm. it was because of an art form, whether we went to a Broadway production together or, you know, different or work together, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Oh, hi, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Deborah. Yeah, we, we love, love Deborah. <laughs> so, yes. you know, art brings people together. I, yes. I agree with you there, but your show ends with something other than just a conversation. Your poetic people fighting racism. It does. It does. Do you recall what it is? Nope. I helped, <laughs> <laughs> I helped you come up my with your call, show. My call to action. Yes, yes. See, I didn't, I didn't forget. <laughs> I did not forget. I was just joking. I was just I joking. I don't know if you were. <laughs> well, well, yes. So at, at the end of each show, uh, I'm going to have a call for action. So it'll be something that will inspire people to think about uh, until the next episode. So in the first show, um, I did a poem uh, called Family Trees, and it was about um, lynching Black people. And that's the Caucasians' trees. They hung us in their trees. Um, So I wanted people to go out. Still do. I still do, yes, because the next episode is coming, to challenge yourself and go out next time you're driving and just look at a tree. Just look at a tree. And trees are beautiful. I love I love trees. I, I, I can look at trees all day, every day. Would not bother me a bit. But then cruel people just, just hung just hung innocent black people, just hung them. I mean, that's just awful. And here's the thing is that they still do it today. Only they say it was a suicide. Um, or birthday invitation. Like the time I got invited to a clan's Birth, uh, well, thank the, goodness you didn't get hung, Jill. <laughs> I didn't Jeez. go. I didn't give them a chance. I, w- I was for the audience. I was once um, invited. I had put together um, when I was producing news a newscast. I had put together the head of the the clan in Charlotte, North Carolina, as well as the head of the NAACP. Put them together as guests at the same time, mm-hmm. um, and they agreed to it. Um, but uh, as soon as, well, a couple of days after the interview was over and, you know, nothing happened during the interview. Everything was fine. Um, as soon as the interview was over, uh, two days later, I get a call from the sec- from the administrative assistant of the Klansman and inviting me to his birthday party in a barn um, on a road that was unmarked. Couldn't tell me the street name. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that. And so I didn't go. That's good. I'm <laughs> glad you didn't go. I'm very happy you didn't go. I did not go. Yeah, but uh, but seriously, with my show, I, I really do want to bring everybody together. LGBTQ, everybody. We're all human beings, okay? We're not as different as we think we are. 
We're all human beings. We love, we cry, we smile, we are happy, we dance, we, we, we eat food, we do all of these things. We go to the theater. We do all of these things. So we are not really as different as people would want to make us. But that is the problem. The powers to be want us to believe that we're that different. They, they want us to believe that. They want us to take on their, hmm, I'm just going to call it a sickness, to take on their sickness of putting someone else down to make yourself feel better. So, th so that has been going on long before any of us were born, right? That is correct. So why this show now? Because things are getting worse. Uh, as you pointed out in the beginning of the show, I'm 63 years old. And I'm going through the same stuff I did when I was a kid. And, and, and worse, you know, ever since uh, Barack Obama became president, it was like a switch was flipped. And they were like, oh, oh they're getting too close now. We, <laughs> we got to put the brakes on this. And uh, seriously, yeah, I have. I would. I was produce. I was in news then, and I had arguments on a daily basis because, um, even though I was part of the media then, um, they wanted to call it a post-racist society simply because Barack had been elected, and I was like. You I'm know. sure he would tell you he's still <laughs> being discriminated that, against. That's right. That is not the right word to right. use. As the president of the United States, he was still discriminated against. Yes. Um, you know, back then is when I was uh, on the road all the time. And, you know, truckers have CB radios. After Barack Obama became president, all I heard every single day, quite often, was... Die and die, die and die. We need to kill all of them. We need to kill all of them. All of this stuff I'm hearing every day. And it's one of the reasons I retired. Because it really, I've been hearing it my whole life. N, 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 N. And I was ready to snap. I one was time ready. you did snap. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, nothing I, happened I to anybody. Wanna, like, <laughs> I don't want to incriminate myself. No, no, no. And nothing, you didn't actually I, fall through with that, follow through it, with that. So. Well, it actually was a couple of times, but I, I, was, I couldn't take it anymore. I, I just could not take it anymore. All of these years, and it's worse. So I'm a person that, identifies a problem, and then I say, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? So me writing um, my book of poetry, me starting the show, me moving to the neighborhood I live in, which is predominantly white, that's what I'm doing about it. And I have been called the N-word in my own neighborhood. Okay. When I was looking, have. yes. When I was looking for a place to live, the real estate, I found the neighborhood and the real estate agent said, no. And it was a white real estate agent. She says, no, you don't want to live here. So why not? It's a, it's a nice neighborhood. It's, it's beautiful. You don't want to live here. I'm like, why not? So she told me a story. There was a black woman wanted to move to the neighborhood, but none of the real estate agents would show her the house. So she found a white male friend of hers to buy the house. So he bought the house and then sold it to her. So she moves in. I think after the first three days, they're burning a cross on her lawn. And they started doing stuff to her 
every single day. And I went to check the news. You know, I, I wouldn't check the reports to make sure that that really did happen. And it really did happen. And eventually she moved because she just couldn't do it. She just didn't do it. And in Georgia, there are neighborhoods just like that right now, right now. So red lines do exist. They don't want us here. And, and it doesn't matter. That particular neighborhood, if, if you were any part of LGBTQ, they wouldn't want you there. They wouldn't want you there. They, they do everything to get you out. Dave has a comment for you, a written comment. Um, he says, I love your new show, Tony. Very Thank thought, you. Very thought-provoking and needed. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Dave. Okay, okay. I have two more questions. You do? Okay. <laughs> um, what's the ultimate takeaway message that you want your audience of poetic people fighting racism to gain? The number one message. This is an easy one. Love. We need to learn to love each other because you really need to think about it. We're all humans. And no matter what you believe as far as religion or God or whatever you believe in, we all came from the same place. All of us. So we are the same blood. She started with two. We're all part of the same. I like to say we're brothers and sisters and long lost cousins because we are. We need to look at each other that way and learn to love each other. You know, you got long lost cousins. You don't want them hanging around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you still have some love for them. So can you love someone and not like them? I absolutely can. <laughs> no problem. Yes, I will. I will still care about that person. I will still care about it. It's just we, we've got so many people in prison and people just it's like they're not human anymore. That's the way people look at them. They're not human. Oh, whatever happens to them. Blah, blah, blah. No. Uh uh. You got to have love for them, too. We got to love everybody. You got to love the homeless person. You, you got to love the person that stole your car. Still have some love for them. Because why did they have to steal that car? Why? 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 Why is there five generations of, of a family living in low-income housing. Why is that? They didn't choose to put themselves there. Someone else chose that's where they're going to live. And it's tied to, it's, tied, it's tied to education. It's tied to money. It's tied to red lines. It's tied to all of these different things that they, that they put on us. I have a, a comment from, from Deborah, and then I have two questions based on what you just said. Okay, so Deborah's comment says, love this. I happen to be assisting in merit badge for three troops. It's citizenship and society. And we are discussing inclusion, being upstanders and diversity. I love that you mentioned love. Uh, and I love that, Deborah. Um, I, am, I am happy that you're doing that. I was actually a Cub Scout myself. And... My troop, my, my particular troop was mixed race. So, and we never had a problem with each other as, you know, little boys playing and all that. Never, never had a problem. All was good. But, you know, it's a funny thing, though. Once we weren't in the troop, things changed. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things things change. Hmm. As we got older, as we went to high school, as we went to college, I had white friends that I hung with all the time in school. 
And I, I went to a I went to a predominantly black school, but we had white kids there too. Um, and we all lived in the same neighborhood. When the white kids went to college and I went to college, they acted like they didn't know me. Oh. Know me, they've known me like our whole lives and been over their houses, stayed at their houses, like all day had dinner, all of that. But we get to college where it's predominantly white and they don't know me anymore. Wow. Wow. So that's not love. No, it's not. So, okay. Do you have, okay. So we've been talking this whole time about, really heavy subjects, yes. right? And things that, you know, weigh down on people on a daily basis, sometimes by minutes, mm-hmm. <laughs> like every minute there's something, right? So do you have hope? I do have hope. If I didn't have any hope, we wouldn't be doing this right this minute. We wouldn't. Fireside. For those that don't know, Fireside really does a good job of supporting anyone that's other on their platform. I know it's true. We've always got great support from Fireside. We have. And Where, from, the, from the audience. And from the audience. And that's the that's other the creators. Other, it's that's a wonderful the other thing. community. Yes. All the other creators um, on Fireside are fabulous. It doesn't matter whether the creator is wealthy or not. It doesn't matter. A creator, and I know when we first got on Fireside, you didn't have to look for help. <laughs> if you were doing something wrong, they would pop in and they, they tell you, they're in. like, oh, do this and do this, and do yes, that. Okay. That, that's right. Um, and it, it didn't matter what color we were or anything else. They, they just help. You know, we're, we're all creators here. Um, and I mean, I have met, I'm, well, I'm looking at the audience now. And most people in the audience, I have, talked to before I've either been in their show or they came to our show, but I have talked to just about everyone. And I can tell you who I haven't talked to. I haven't talked to Mel. So you're on my list, Mel. (laughs) I'm going to need to talk to you. Um, But yeah, I pay attention to everybody uh, on fireside and what they're doing. And, and if I can do something to help them out, I'll do it. If And if I can do anything to support them, they may not have a large following. And maybe I know that. So I'm going to show up. Yes. Just give some support. You are you very know. supportive. I have yeah. another comment from Deborah. Uh, she says, I'm so sorry she, uh, when you were talking about what happened when you went to college. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry you went through that. I had to go through it on a regular basis. Often it's people who don't. Dr- do not know what to say. So instead they ignore me. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> you know, but you that's, know. but, the, but, but that's, but that's the thing. You see, that's, that's the thing. Um, here on fireside, the, the, discrim- the I, I haven't seen the discrimination. Right. Right. I just haven't seen it. And how do you get to know a person if they're handicapped? Maybe you didn't know a handicapped person before, but how do you get to know them? Disabled. Disabled. Thank you, Jill. But how do you get to know someone else unless you talk to them? Right. Unless you have some type of relationship with them. Right. That's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. So, you know, because I, I had with, with your college experience, I, I had kind of the opposite in high school where my high school was really small. Like there were only 58 people in my class and in, in my graduating class. And 
I was always near the top of my class. And you smart lady. <laughs> and I often won awards. I and, wasn't and, at the top of my class. <laughs> and I often won awards <laughs> and things like that. But mm-hmm. but the discrimination toward me came in the form of what people thought were compliments. You know, like, wow, you're really articulate. You, you know, and, and it, that that's <laughs> yeah. what wasn't said. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and I was on the speech team, so mm-hmm. I should be, you know. Um, and even students told me that when I was a professor, like, well, I should be, I'm teaching English, you know? So things like that, people don't realize what their biases are. So are you going to address that in your show? Oh, like there's a lot of absolute, unconscious bias. Absolute, absolutely. There are many unconscious bias. Um, when you get into systemic racism and how deep, it runs, um, it runs through every single person that was born in this country. You have felt some effect, whether it's negative, and won't be any positive with negative, with no positive. So you, we all have these biases because of systemic racism. If you are a person that, grew up in America and there were no black people around. Maybe there's no black people in your town, but maybe there is, maybe there's about 50 or 60 black people, but they live in their section over there. So you never got to interact with a black person because they made sure they separated us. And then other people segregate themselves on purpose. It's like, I don't, I'm going to make sure I move as far as way as I can from them. So how are they going to get to know us? How are they going to get to know that? Well, and well, some people are conditioned to segregate themselves. That, that, but that's what's systemic. <laughs> I know. That is what's systemic. I know. So how do, how do you go about dismantling systems that have been around hundreds and hundreds of years? It, it starts... At the ground level. Starts with people, right? That is exactly (laughs) right. It starts with people. So, and which, which people? You have to go start with the people that have the most in common. Artists. Right. Right. Artists have a lot in common because artists are about the art. Yes. Creative Most, people process right. things in a certain Creative way. Creative people don't care what color you are. They don't care how many legs you have. They don't, they don't care about these things. They care about the art and they care about the person. They don't see all that other stuff, the negative stuff that, that this country wants us to believe. Yeah. Um, Deborah has a comment. She says, I was shocked to learn so many kids didn't know what intersectional discrimination was. We need to have more conversations with youth. I agree. Ooh, that is absolute, absolutely that is right. absolutely true. In, in fact, when I when I was a college professor teaching first year students, I made sure that, you know, they could express themselves and that's and see what they wanted to talk about. And that's what they wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. you know, were the things that they were facing. So, you know, when the state of Georgia, because I was working for a public school in Georgia, when the state of Georgia said we can no longer have discussions about things yeah. like that, I quit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, that, it's, what? yes, but it's insane <laughs> when you think about Florida has a don't say gay law. That's, that's it don't insane. say gay And it's 2022. It's 2022, but a teacher cannot even have a conversation in the classroom about anything LGBTQ. Right. And now the teachers are scared mm-hmm. because you had some teachers that are going to rat on them. Then you, you have the students, students, students who <laughs> rat on them, you know, um, because they're Because our students were told to do that. Yeah. They were told to, to tell. Yeah. But Mine they, didn't, but they were told to tell. Yeah, but I mean, the awful way of thinking of some people. I mean, you, you just you really think how ridiculous it is. You need to hate them because their skin is darker. 
And then they'll go out to the beach to get as dark as that person. (laughs) And they want to do like this. And like, am I darker than you? Like, are you? Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's just when you really, really give it a good thought, how ridiculous it is. It really is. It's no different than hate that person because they're wearing a party hat. You know, it's just, just ridiculous. Right. Right. Well, um, when we started this show tonight, or before the show started, Tony and I were like, oh, we're going to make this a 30-minute show. Ha-ha! It, it is 8.52. Oh, it hasn't been 30. <laughs> I was wondering if it's so, is, is it 30. Did we get to 30 minutes yet? It is 8.52. So I, I want to end my questions, um, but open it up to the audience. If the audience wants to make a comment to Tony or ask him a question, and while yes. we're waiting for that to to happen or not, I just want to tell you that I'm really proud of you. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Um, that means I a really lot to am. Me. So, uh, you all are most of you all are firesiders, and uh, you may have seen that Tony took me out of his picture. Like, it's just a picture of <laughs> we're him. We're still married, but we're still married. Everything's fine. <laughs> we're still married, and we still have this show. Oh. But I, I really am proud of you because, well, you know, you, this sweetheart. has been years in the making. And, oh, and yeah. I'm glad I mean, that you finally, <laughs> I'm glad that you finally did it. Well, thank I you. Am. Well, I'm still working on it. Still working <laughs> on it. So would anyone like to, to say something or? Well. Um, we have, um, I'm, you, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced your name, but uh, your name looks like Farouz. Is that correct? Um, I am accepting a request from Deborah. Deborah, oh, I love Deborah. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, yes. Deborah. <laughs> There's an update with the app, and now I can use my microphone system. Oh, this is so cool. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know. I know they did some updates. I got really frustrated the other day when I couldn't use my whole setup, and now it works. Sorry. I'm oh, cool. Squirrel moment. <laughs> did you want video, Deborah? Uh, sure. You get to see. Okay. Hey, we get to see it, Deborah. Let's see. Where's my? Oh, I don't see the option for video. Um, I'm I'm getting ready she's, to send you a. She's thing. sending it's, it to you, but it's moving it's slow. It's moving slow, but here it comes. Okay, right. I just sent it. Okay. Lighting isn't great, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. Hey. Let me enlarge this so I can see you. Hey, there you Deborah. are. Are you? you are looking fantastic. Do you know that red is my favorite color? Oh, wow. I did not. Yeah. Know. So, yeah. It's part of this wall. <laughs> this is red. Say, See? <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. This is so weird. There's an update and I've been like trying to figure this thing out. Oh, wow. Now I got a big screen. This is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear me as I'm doing this. is hilarious. Yeah, oh, we yes. hear you. We can hear you. We can see you. See, I'm in my meditation corner sort of corner, but I love what you're talking about. So one of the most moving experiences I had as a teenager was a program that my high school had started. Actually, my brother's class started. Yeah, we competed about everything. Uh, (laughs) They did this program called Bring Unity to Youth. So my high school was middle class, surrounded by some really upper class neighborhoods on Long Island and a neighboring school. Oh, you're a Long Island girl. I'm a Long Island girl, yes. what part? So I know I I'm interrupting. Station, and we actually okay. did a program with Wine Dance. Uh, and it was yeah, really I know Wine cool. Dance. My cousin lived in Wine Dance. Okay. So it's, you know, it's all African-American and very, I don't think there was any white students in the school at the time. So there were Latino and Latina and Latino and African-American. And we did a program called Bring Unity to Youth. We brought student leaders from both of the schools and we sat in a room and talked about our preconceived notions about each other. We had, the same oh. we had the same misconceptions, which was <laughs> kind of funny. But the best part was switching schools. So we, so I was bussed over to Wine Dance, and I went to school with students, and I learned what it was like to be a white person in a school with no other white people, right? Mm-hmm. And more importantly, and this is why it's impacted educationally-wise, I saw that the students couldn't get a regents degree because of the program's that were being offered or the lack of funding for teachers who taught regions programs. Mm -hmm. That was mind blowing to me that you couldn't get a regions degree and 
you need it to get any, into any of the main universities or to even transfer later on into other universities. So it was really impacted very early on. But the reason why I mention it is this experience was really, it was really eye-opening, right? You, you really got to see for a moment what it was like to be a minority in a different school, right? Mm -hmm. You got to learn about the cultural differences and realize most of your views are because of social media and TV shows and they're not mm. actual realities, right? And to get that upfront, have that interaction and actually have that dialogue with students, I thought was essential. And we only did it with the student leaders, but I thought it was an amazing program. And you know, okay, this is like almost, well, actually it is 30 years later. Gosh. <laughs> Hey, you're younger than me. <laughs> this is my 30-year high school reunion. I realized that like, like last month, I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what did that happen? Uh, but the reality is that experience stayed with me because we mm -hmm. learned about each other's without care about the right terms, right? It wasn't about terms. It wasn't about, you know, he said, she said. It was just to learn, right? Just yeah. to see culturally difference, what you do at home, what you do at school, and to break those barriers, to go past those you know, preconceived notions that I can't talk to this woman or she can't talk to me because you know we're not in the same group or we yeah. don't look the same, right? To look, go past that was amazing. And I really think we need to have more of these programs that force us to learn our, what our preconceived notions are to get some awareness of what a preconceived, because we all have prejudices, our brains are machines, right? We take in information, it processes it, it spits it back out to you. It doesn't mean we're stuck there, right? It just means that's how the brain processes it. And if we're aware of that, we can work with that to make sure we're choosing more open and uh, creating more open spaces for people, right? To create space at the table for each other. Absolutely. And that was something we did in our mediation training. We had to learn where our prejudices were so that when we work with people we're aware of it right and i think we need to do this for our youth because we don't do it enough and then when they get to college they're like, I, don't know, I don't know what to do so they just right. kind of continue that same path of ignoring and not speaking to the issue not learning of the issue you know when i mentioned intersectional discrimination i was really surprised to not to see how many people didn't know what it was right but when we started having a lot more of, and this is what I'm going to mention as a mom, uh, when all of the riots were happening, we started talking more about Black Lives Matter. We started learning more about these things. You know, my kids are biracial. My husband's Korean. And, you know, of course, for some reason, I think they're New Yorkian. That's my child's terminology for <laughs> my New York personality. <laughs> but we, so, I got this great book. It was written by a young teenage woman. I think she was 14 or 15. And she talked about her life with intersectional discrimination. She broke it down into all these different categories and where uh, she lies, right? And I thought that mm -hmm. was a great book for my son. He was in fifth grade at the time. And then we also read, uh, I think it's um, My White Brother, and it's two young men, teenagers, that were in a high school that were doing pretty well and family well-to-do, but one was light-skinned, one was dark-skinned, and they went to a private school, and it looked, followed them on this journey of accessing sports. And it was fencing and ultimately the discrimination that the darker brother skinned brother had versus the lighter skinned brother had. Yeah. And it was a great story though, because it was able to see these differences and the impact of the verbiage that this classmates used, how that impacted them emotionally, right? And socially and, and being able to interact with people and eventually to where they did their sports. But, you know, as a parent, these are books that I think we should be giving. And I'm not telling all parents they have to do this, but I felt good about it. You know, I'm not saying all need to do it, but I think it's a good thing to do because like you were saying, not all kids see people of different ethnic backgrounds, right? And, and without that, they get to learn some mm -hmm. of these other elements. So I thought those books were good. And I was just throwing that out there because I really feel we need to start when they're young so that right. they get comfortable Th that, that is it. asking. Right. And get comfortable saying, I don't know your story, but can you tell me your experience? You know, absolutely. Well, I want to know people's stories. Sorry. Let you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Deborah, um, you just applied for a job and you have it. 
So you are my right hand woman now. <laughs> I'll send I'll send you the paperwork <laughs> and we can get this going. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Deborah. I, we always love hearing from you. Yes. Yes. All right. What 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 else do we have? Jill, do we have anyone else? No. I want to talk to Mel because I haven't talked to Mel. I will send Mel I, I just an want to meet to Mel. Speak. Please, please come up. Please oh, come it's up. It's moving really slow. It's oh, something. Uh, yeah, it's moving slow. Here we go. Do you have the update? All, All right. right, Mel, I just sent you an invitation to speak if you would like. Oh, uh, yeah. Can um, uh, Do you mind if we take you off the stage? Oh, yeah, it's something like we couldn't even hear you that time. She said, yeah, you can take her. Yeah, I had muted Take her down. Okay. You can kick me off the stage. Don't kick her out of the show, Jill, (laughs) just off the stage. (laughs) There we go. I did. Okay. All right. So, Mel, you don't have to come on video. Just just speak. I just want to say hello. Well, while we're seeing, uh, we also have, uh, I believe it's Farouz. Uh, of course, we have Mel. We okay. have Graciela. Uh, Graciela. We have Connie. Is we have fabulous. Charity. And we have Deanna. Oh, cool. We have a nice audience here. We do. It's wonderful people. So no one else wants to speak? Oh, Mel came up. Hey. Hi, Mel. Hello, Mel. Would you like video? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. yes, we do hear you. Would you like video? Hi. No, I'm fine with audio. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, it's nice to talk to you. To these... Oh, thank you so much for this um, you know, invitation to speak. And I'm really new to all these platforms of talking, okay. so I am a little bit nervous. So oh, it's, um, it's okay. Really We're nice all friends all. here. Yeah, that's that's right. You're in a safe place. <laughs> And as you can tell, I'm from Australia, so I'm really happy to um, be meeting so many nice people and so many good subjects and really important issues that I'm so happy to hear. And I'm so grateful that you're bringing these up. So oh. um, thank you. That's all I wanted to say. And thank you. Thank you. Well, now now I've met you. So, That's right. uh, Mel, are you going to be a creator on Fireside? I'm still filling things out right now, so I'll I'll wait and see how we go. <laughs> well, if you do, okay. please let us know so that we can support you. Sure. Thank you so much, and um, congratulations, and continue the good work. Thank All you. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much, we Mel, and I'm so happy I finally got to meet yes, you. Yes, me too. <laughs> and cool. Farouz uh, left us a, a message saying, have to run. Thanks for an excellent show. Thank you, Farouz. Thank you. All right, we're at nine oh four. We're now. at nine oh four, so we're actually isn't, over. It, isn't it time for us to close <laughs> this yes, out? Yes, it Jill? is. Yes, it is. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, um, for being here, thank for supporting you. us together, for supporting Tony with his new show. Um, we we truly love the Fireside community. Um, so thank you all for being here tonight. Yes, and I hope to see you all on September 3rd at 9 o'clock for Double PFR. Which stands for Go ahead, Poetic Jill. People Fighting Racism. <laughs> but we, are I'm Right, I'm Right, will be here next Wednesday. We actually have guests. We're talking about the power of love and taking your relationships to the next level. And we cool. have guests. Cool. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Cool. All well, right. Well, thank as you, everyone. Usual, we love you all. We love you all. And hope to see you again soon. Bye. Bye. And I guess I'm going to.